0: Chapter twelve of the Smuggler by George Payne Rainsford James This Librivox recording is in the public domain Chapter twelve We will now, by the reader's good leave, return for a short time to Harborne House, where the party sat down to breakfast at the inconveniently early hour of eight. I will not take upon myself to say that it might not be a quarter of an hour later, for almost everything is after its time on this globe and Harborne House did not differ in this respect from all the rest of the world. From the face of young Radford towards the countenance of Sir Edward Digby shot some very furious glances as they took their places at the breakfast-table, but those looks gradually sunk down into a dull and solemn frown as they met with no return. Sir Edward Digby, indeed, seemed to have forgotten the words which had passed between them as soon as they had been uttered, and he laughed and talked, and conversed with everyone as gaily as if nothing had happened. Edith was some ten minutes behind the rest at the meal, and seemed even more depressed than the night before. But Zara had reserved a place for her at her own side, and taking the first opportunity, while the rest of the party were busily talking together, she whispered a few words in her ear. Sir Edward Digby saw her face brighten in a moment, and her eyes turned quickly towards himself, but he took no notice, and an interval of silence occurring the next moment, the conversation between the two sisters was interrupted. During breakfast a servant brought in a note and laid it on the sideboard, and after the meal was over Miss Croyland retired to her own room to make ready for her departure. Zara was about to follow, but good Mrs Barbara, who had heard some sharp words pass between the two gentlemen and had remarked the angry looks of young Radford, "'was determined that they should not quarrel without the presence of ladies, "'and consequently called her youngest niece back, saying in a whisper, "'Stay here, my dear. "'I have a particular reason why I want you not to go.' "'I will be back in a moment, my dear aunt,' replied Zara, "'but the worthy old lady would not suffer her to depart, "'and the butler entering at that moment called the attention of Richard Radford "'to the note which had been brought in some half an hour before.' and which was, in fact, a sudden summons from his father. The contents seemed to give him no great satisfaction, and turning to the servant he said, "'Well, tell them to saddle my horse and bring him round.' And as he spoke he directed a frowning look towards the young baronet, as if he could scarcely refrain from showing his anger till a fitting opportunity occurred for expressing it. Digby, however, continued talking lightly with Zara Croyland in the window, till the horse had been brought round, and the young man had taken leave of the rest of the party. Then sauntering slowly out of the room, he passed through the hall door to the side of Richard Radford's horse, just as the latter was mounting. "'Mr. Radford,' he said in a low tone, "'you were pleased to make an impertinent observation upon my conduct, which led me to tell you what I think of yours. We were interrupted, but I dare say you must wish for further conversation with me.' You can have it when and where you please. At three o'clock this afternoon, in the road straight from the back of the house, replied young Radford, in a low, determined tone, touching the hilt of his sword. Sir Edward Digby nodded, and then, turning on his heel, walked coolly into the house. I am sure, Sir Edward, cried Mrs. Barbara, as soon as she saw him, while Zara fixed her eyes somewhat anxiously upon his countenance. "'I am sure you and Mr. Radford have been quarrelling. "'Oh, no, my dear madam,' replied Sir Edward Digby. "'Nothing of the kind, I can assure you. "'Our words were very ordinary words, "'and perfectly civil upon my word. "'We have no time to quarrel.' "'My dear Sir Edward,' said Sir Robert Croyland, "'you must excuse me for saying it. "'I must have no such things here. "'I am a magistrate for this county, "'and bound by my oath to keep the peace.' "'My sister tells me that high words passed between you and my young friend Radford before breakfast.' "'They were very few, Sir Robert,' answered Digby in a careless tone. "'He thought fit to make an observation upon my saying a few words to your daughter here, "'in a low tone, which I conceive every gentleman has a right to do to a fair lady. "'I told him I thought his conduct insolent, and that was all that passed. "'I believe the youth has got a bad headache from too much of your good wine, Sir Robert.' "'Therefore, I forgive him. "'I dare say he'll be sorry enough for what he said before the day is over, "'and if he is not, I cannot help it.' "'Well, well, if that's all, it is no great matter,' replied the master of the house. "'But here comes round the carriage. "'Run and call Edith, Sarah.' "'Before the young lady could quit the room, however, her sister appeared, "'and the only moment they obtained for private conference was at the door of the carriage, "'after Edith had got in.' "'and while her father was giving some directions to the coachman. "'No great information could be given or received, indeed, "'for Sir Robert returned to the side of the vehicle immediately, "'bade his daughter good-bye, and the carriage rolled away. "'As soon as it was gone, Sir Edward Digby proposed, "'with the permission of Sir Robert Croyland, to go out to shoot, "'for he did not wish to subject himself to any further cross-examination "'by the ladies of the family.' and he read many inquiries in fair zara's face which he feared might be difficult to answer retiring then to put on a more fitting costume while gamekeepers and dogs were summoned to attend him he took the opportunity of writing a short letter which he delivered to his servant to post giving him at the same time brief directions to meet him near the cottage of good mrs clare about half-past two with the sword which the young officer usually wore when not on military service. Those orders were spoken in so ordinary and commonplace a tone that none but a very shrewd fellow would have discovered that anything was going forward, different from the usual occurrences of the day. But Summers was a very shrewd fellow, and in a few minutes, judging from what he observed while waiting for his master during dinner on the preceding day, he settled the whole matter entirely to his own satisfaction— Thinking, according to the phraseology of those times, Sir Edward will pink him, and a good thing too. But it will spoil sport here, I've an notion. As he descended to the hall in order to join the keepers and their four footed coadjutors, the young baronet encountered Mrs. Barbara and her niece, and he perceived Zara's eyes instantly glance to his sword belt from which he had taken care to remove a weapon that could only be inconvenient to him in the sport he was about to pursue. She was not so easily to be deceived as her father, but yet the absence of the weapon usually employed in those days, as the most efficacious for killing a fellow creature, put her mind at ease, at least for the present. And although she determined to watch the proceedings of the young baronet during the two or three following days, as far at least as propriety would permit she took no further notice at the moment being very anxious to prevent her good aunt from interfering more than necessary in the affairs of sir edward digby mrs barbara indeed was by no means well pleased that sir edward was going to deprive her schemes of the full benefit which might have accrued from his passing the whole of that day unoccupied with zara at Harborne house and hinted significantly that she trusted if he did not find good sport, he would return early, as her niece was very fond of a ride over the hills, only that she had no companion. The poor girl coloured warmly, and the more so, as Sir Edward could not refrain from a smile. "'I trust, then, I shall have the pleasure of being your companion tomorrow, Miss Croyland,' he said, turning to the young lady. "'Why should we not ride over and see your excellent uncle and your sister?' I must certainly pay my respects to him, and if I may have the honour of escorting you, it will give double pleasure to my ride. Sarah Croyland was well aware that many a matter which, if treated serious, may become annoying, if not dangerous, can be carried lightly off by a gay and dashing jest. Oh, with all my heart, she said, only remember, Sir Edward, we must have plenty of servants with us. "'or else all the people in the country will say "'that you and I are going to be married, "'and as I never intend that such a saying should be verified, "'it will be as well to nip the pretty little blossom of gossip in the bud.' "'It shall be exactly as you please,' replied the young officer, "'with a low bow and a meaning smile. "'But at the very same moment Mrs. Barbara thought fit to reprove her niece, "'wondering how she could talk so sillily. "'And Sir Edward took his leave.' Receiving his host's excuses as he passed through the hall for not accompanying him on his shooting expedition. The truth is, my dear sir, said Sir Robert Croyland, that I am now too old and too heavy for such sports. You were kind enough to tell me this is Liberty Hall, replied the young baronet, and you shall see, my dear sir, that I shall take you at your word both in regard to your game and your wine, being resolved with your good permission. "'and for my own health, "'to kill your birds and spare your bottles.' "'Certainly, certainly,' "'answered the master of the mansion. "'You shall do exactly as you like.' "'And with this license Sir Edward set out shooting, "'with tolerable success, "'till towards two o'clock, "'when, quite contrary to the advice and opinion "'of the gamekeepers, "'he declared that the dogs would have the wind with them "'in that direction, "'and that as the day was now hot,' The birds would not lie a minute. He directed his course towards the back of Harborne Wood, finding, it must be confessed, but very little sport there. There, apparently fatigued and disgusted with walking for a mile or two without a shot, he gave his gun to one of the men and bade him take it back to the house, saying he would follow speedily. As soon as he had seen them depart, he tracked round the edge of the wood towards Mrs. Clare's cottage exactly opposite to which he found his trusty servant, provided as he had directed. Sir Edward then took the sword and fixed it in his belt, saying, Now, Summers, you may go. Certainly, sir, replied the man, touching his hat with a look of hesitation. But he added a minute after, You had better let me know where it's to be, sir, in case... Well, rejoined Sir Edward Digby with a smile, You are an old soldier and no meddler, Somers." "'so that I will tell you in case "'that the place is in a straight line between this and Harborne House, "'so now face about to the right and go back by the other road.' "'The man touched his hat again and walked quickly away "'while the young officer turned his steps up the road, "'which he had followed during the preceding evening "'in pursuit of the two Miss Coylands. "'It was a good, broad, open way in which there was plenty of fencing-room,' and he thought to himself as he walked on, "'I shall not be sorry to punish this young vagabond a little. I must see what sort of skill he has, and, if possible, wound him without hurting him much. If one could keep him to his bed for a fortnight, we should have the field more clear for our own campaign. But these things must always be a chance.' Thus meditating, and looking at his watch to see how much time he had to spare, Major Sir Edward Digby walked on, till he came within sight of the garden wall and some of the outbuildings of Harbourne House. The reader, if he has paid attention, will remember that the road did not go straight to the back of the house itself, a smaller path which led to the right, conducting thither. But as the gardens extended for nearly a quarter of a mile on that side, it followed the course of the wall to the left to join the parish road which ran in front of the mansion leaving the green court, as it was called, or lawn, and the terrace on the right hand. As there was no other road in that direction, Sir Edward Digby felt sure that he must be on the ground appointed, but yet, as is the case in all moments of expectation, the time seemed so long that when he saw the brickwork he took out his watch again, and found there were still five minutes to spare. He accordingly turned upon his steps, walking slowly back for about a quarter of a mile, and then returned, looking sharply out for his opponent, but seeing no one. He was now sure that the time must have passed, but resolved to afford young Radford every opportunity, he said to himself, "'Watches may differ, and something may have detained him. I will give him a full half-hour, and then, if he does not come, I shall understand the matter.' As soon then, as he saw the walls once more, he wheeled round and retrod his steps, then looked at his watch and found that it was a quarter past three. Too bad, he said, too bad. The fellow cannot be coward, too, as well as blackguard. One more turn and then I've done with him. But as he advanced on his way towards the house, he suddenly perceived the flutter of female garments before him and saying to himself, this is awkward, he gazed round for some path in order to get out of the way for a moment, but could perceive none. The next instant, coming round a shrub which started forward a little before the rest of the trees, he saw the younger Miss Croyland advancing with a quick step, and, he could not help thinking, with a somewhat agitated air. Her colour was heightened, her eyes eagerly looking on, but as soon as she saw him she slackened her pace and came forward in a more deliberate manner. "'Oh, Sir Edward,' she said in a calm, sweet tone, "'I am glad to see you. "'You have finished your shooting early, it seems.' "'Why, the sport was beginning to slacken,' answered Sir Edward Digby. "'I had not had a shot for the last half-hour, "'and so thought it best to give it up.' "'Well, then, you shall take a walk with me,' cried Zara gaily. "'I am just going down to a poor friend of ours, called Widow Clare, "'and you shall come too. "'What, notwithstanding all your sage and proven apprehensions "'in regard to what people might say?' "'if we are seen alone together,' exclaimed Sir Edward Digby with a smile. "'Oh, I don't mind that,' answered Zara. "'Great occasions, you know, Sir Edward, require decisive measures, "'and I assuredly want an escort through this terrible forest "'to protect me from all the giants and enchanters it may contain.' "'Sir Edward Digby looked at his watch again "'and saw that it wanted but two minutes to the half-hour. "'Oh,' said Zara, affecting a look of pique, If you have some important appointment, Sir Edward, it is another affair, only tell me if it be so. Sir Edward Digby took her hand in his. I will tell you, dear lady, he replied, if you will first tell me one thing, truly and sincerely, what brought you here? Zara trembled and coloured, for with the question put in so direct a shape, the agitation which she had previously overcome mastered her in turn, and she answered, Don't! "'Don't, or I shall cry.' "'Well, then, tell me at least if I had anything to do with it,' asked the young baronet. "'Yes, you had,' replied Zara. "'I can't tell a falsehood. "'But now, Sir Edward, don't, as most of you men would do, "'suppose that it's from any very tender interest in you "'that I did this foolish thing. "'It was because I thought... "'I thought if you were going to do what I imagined, "'it would be the very worst thing in the world for poor Edith.' "'I shall only suppose that you are all that is kind and good,' answered Digby, perhaps a little piqued at the indifference which she so studiously assumed. "'And even if I thought, Miss Croyland, that you did take some interest in my poor self, depend upon it, I should not be inclined to go one step farther in the way of vanity than you yourself could wish. "'I am not altogether a coxcomb. "'But now tell me, how were you led to suspect anything?' ''Promise me first, said Zara, ''that this affair shall not take place. Indeed, indeed, Sir Edward, it must not, on every account.'' ''There is not the slightest chance of any such thing,'' replied Sir Edward Digby. ''You need not be under the slightest alarm.'' ''What? You do not mean to say,'' she exclaimed, with her cheeks glowing and her eyes raised to his face, ''that you did not come here to fight him?'' ''Not exactly.'' "'answered Sir Edward Digby, laughing. "'But what I do mean to say, my dear young lady, "'is that our friend is half an hour behind his time, "'and I am not disposed to give him "'another opportunity of keeping me waiting.' "'And if he had been in time?' cried Zara, "'clasping her hands together and casting down her eyes. "'I should have been too late.' "'But tell me,' persisted Sir Edward Digby, "'how you heard all this. "'Has my servant Summers been indiscreet?' no no replied zara no i can assure you i saw you go out in your shooting dress and without a sword then i thought it was all over especially as you had the gamekeepers with you but some time ago i found that your servant had gone out carrying a sword under his arm and had come straight up this road that made me uneasy when the gamekeepers came back without you i was more uneasy still but i could not get away from my aunt for a few minutes When I could, however, I got my hat and cloak and hurried away, knowing that you would not venture to fight in the presence of a woman. As I went out, all my worst fears were confirmed by seeing your servant come back without the sword. And then, not very well knowing, indeed, what I was to say or do, I hurried on as fast as possible. Now you have the whole story, and you must come away from this place. Very willingly, answered the young officer, adding with a smile, "'Which way shall we go, Miss Croyland, to Widow Clare's?' "'No, no,' answered Zara, blushing again. "'Do not tease me. "'You do not know how soon, when a woman is agitated, she is made to weep.' "'My father is out, indeed,' she added in a gayer tone, "'so that I should have time to bathe my eyes before dinner, "'which will be half an hour later than usual. "'But I should not like my aunt to tell him "'that I have been taking a crying walk with Sir Edward Digby.' Heaven forbid that I should ever give you cause for a tear, answered the young baronet, and then, with a vague impression that he was doing something very like making love, he added, but let us return to the house, or perhaps we may have your aunt seeking us. The most likely thing in the world, replied Zara, and taking their way back, they passed through the gardens and entered the house by one of the side doors. End of chapter 12